0: I'm running to your arms. What? what are we doing there? I don't know what the author of that song had in mind exactly, but here's what I say at this point. Do you know that every day is another day to walk by faith? Walk by faith. And we take that thought of our movement, our direction, and uh, here we go. Let's run to Jesus no matter what 's going on, no matter what we face, no matter what goes on in life let 's keep on moving to jesus i 've said it before i 'll be saying it again. I know there, there's a, uh, a a need for us to understand it 's not about uh, uh, sinless perfection. All of you most of you know that it 's not about sinless perfection this christian life it 's about the direction that we go in what direction are you walking in? What direction is your life headed? And that's the idea that we want to promote and encourage you. Keep walking by faith. Trusting God. We might not be able to see what God's doing. But we trust Him. We don't know why in the world. I mean, all sorts, all sorts of questions from unbelievers would pop up. Why, 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 why? As to what happened back east. How come? You know, but it really comes down to the fact that man continues to be evil and wicked. And that's a very difficult thing to uh, deal with and talk about. Especially you young people, when we think about what's just happened... Um, it's like we don't want our we don't want anything to happen. We don't want stuff to happen like what happened there, and we just we need to uh, recognize that the Bible has already told us about man's total depravity, and uh, we have to understand that. We can't understand everything about it. But we need to trust that God is who He says He is. And um, we know of difficulty and pain in our own ways. And we need to just keep coming back. Lord, I'm running to Your arms. All right well that was not intended and that's not on my notes i uh actually have a big beef with a christmas song here okay you ready whoever thought in the world of have yourself a merry little christmas what's the deal here <laughs> i i object i base my argument on history on science and math you ready and my findings reveal years of history, extra added weight, science, and extra added expenses, math. History, science, math. How about that? And so whoever came up with the idea of have yourself a merry little Christmas just must not have lived in our day and age. <laughs> um You know what? Here this morning, we want to talk about the uh, the gem of Christmas. All right? Uh, the key to Christmas. And uh, we do want to have, uh, whether it's a merry little or a merry massive, I, I entitled the message this morning, Have Yourself a Merry Massive Christmas. Life! Emboldened life. All too often, we zero it into Christmas and we're all doing really great at Christmas or whatever, you know, feeling good about the Christmas spirit, but I want to turn it into a Christmas life, right? And it it would be one of uh, massive proportions. And that's mainly in terms of the key to Christmas, and that is grace, okay? The grace of God. If you... Uh, As a believer in Jesus Christ. If you and I will allow the message of God's love to be magnified. Made much of. um, And to be not just made much of. But first of all really to be welcomed. That we welcome the grace of God. That we welcome the love of God. That we welcome the message that is in the Bible. And magnify that. We would understand more and more that Christmas is about. Yes, God's incarnation being made flesh to come to earth to rescue people. And that his incarnation, all that word incarnation means is to be made flesh. God who is unseen is made flesh, he's given a real body. And yes, we have to say it's a miracle. And God is in the business of miracles. (laughs) But His incarnation, when we really study it and look at it, it comes down to being about His grace. That's why He came. He could say from the the glories of the universe that He loves us. But He stooped to love us in coming to earth. He, He came in the form of a of a servant, as Brennan had mentioned. And so grace is extended from God to sinners like you and me. So grace is the key, the keynote of the incarnation. So I've got uh, here, if you want to follow along with the outline, here's our, uh, our first point. It's given for you, the archives of God's grace. And really it boils down to the fact that many times in in our lives, as we've grown up, many of you have grown up in the church, and you've subtly heard that uh, the Old Testament is about the law, and the New Testament is about grace. And we think Old Testament law, New Testament grace, and we don't have to worry about the Old Testament anymore because that was fulfilled in Christ. He kept the law, and fulfilled it. So we don't have to bother with the Old Testament. We're just about New Testament believers and New Testament grace and love and forgiveness. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Right? You heard that before? Well, that's subtly what's come into many churches in their teaching, in their Sunday school classes and such. And I'm here to say that that's not necessarily the case. There is what we would maybe initially say is a contrast... Old Testament law, judgment, clouds, lightning, thunder, boom, fear of God, New Testament baby Jesus, you know and all, and all the love and and all we Christians love one another, and that's kind of the exaggeration in my mind going on here, okay so we have to understand that the archives of God's grace are there to be read and to be seen in the Old Testament. Okay? It's there. Along the way, we recognize God's grace. It's there in the Old Testament if we'll just read and study. It's not difficult to identify where the grace of God is showing up in the Old Testament. Okay? So, letter A... Our only sub-point under number one is out of Egypt. You know, I thought, oh, we'll just use that as our little phrase. We're, we're familiar with out of Egypt. You know, over at the Church of Nazarene, their uh, food ministry, ministry program. But the grace of God especially starts blooming and blossoming out of Egypt. Because God delivered His people out of Egypt, Right? So we see the grace of God in the story of the Exodus when God delivered His people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. It's, it's described in that way numerous times in the, in the Old Testament. With a mighty hand, He delivered His people. But we also read about it throughout the Old Testament books. God is identified by grace. And God is praised for His grace or His loving kindness and His mercies. Right? And... Um, his mercies upon Israel. And all that is really another way to say it's His grace showing up. We see it in the giving of the law, even, on Mount Sinai. You say, How? wait, what, what, what? Really? The grace of God? Yes, the grace of God in the giving of the law from God's own hand. Many of us, you know, we grew up hearing all about that, you know, in the stories of the Old Testament and the, the judgment on God's people. Yes, There's the the, uh, outflow of the law, if you will. But um, there's, by the way, there's a number of books, but this is one that I'd encourage you to, if I'm going to try and remember to hold up these others throughout the message, but The Disciplines of Grace by Dr. Kent Hughes. Um, And in it, he does a great job of, of showing forth how grace is really right under the surface of the law, right there the law was founded what he he writes that the law here in this case here's the 10 commandments the law was founded on god's grace and we are reminded of galatians 3 verse 24 that the law has become our tutor our tutor to lead us to christ so that we may be justified by faith. And being justified by faith, here comes God's grace. Can you be justified by the law? Well, if you kept the law, maybe you could be justified by but you can't and I can't, and no one else can. Yeah. Just remember that you cannot be justified by the law. And thus this is why it was necessary for Jesus to come. We couldn't keep God's law. The law shows forth our sin. It shows that we're violators of the law. (laughs) Dr. Hughes goes on to say the law invites grace. The law promises grace. Why? Because of who God is. Mark down Exodus chapter 34 verse 19. Moses said, hey, God, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And God said to Moses, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. That's in the Old Testament, right around the period of time where he's given the law. He's saying, here's my, here's who I am. Showing mercy And loving kindness unto people. Okay? So, grace can be seen even in the Ten Commandments, right? There's a lot of ways to look at that, and I'm not going to try and uh, dive into that little area now, but understand that, really, here, the law cannot remove your sins, right? The law can only. As Warren Wearsby puts it, only reveal your sins. So, a lot of times, maybe you and I, and maybe we've responded like, oh, well, then the law's no good. No, 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 no. Romans 7 says the law is good. The law is good. But it can never result in one's justification. Galatians tells us the law is a curse, the law keeps you. From uh, law keeps you in bondage. It's not going to free you. The law ends up being dependent on human effort. If you're going by the law, as many of the Jews did in biblical times, they're trying to go by the law. So, it's important that we understand some of the the fact of here's law and grace. But it's not just separated by here's Old Testament, New Testament. Grace is there in the Old Testament. All right. Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. The first point kind of gives us a little background of off which to go by. The archives of God's grace. There's other verses that I referenced here on your outline that you can look at at another time. But you can see uh, some of those listed on point number 1. But point number 2 is now we dive into John chapter 1. And It's about the arrival of God's grace. We had the archives of God's grace. Now, secondly, the arrival of God's grace in the person of Jesus Christ. In the person, letter A, in the person of Jesus Christ. And the best translation for verse 14, it says, and the word, some translations say, and the word was made flesh. Um, Actually, it's better to read it as the word became flesh. Thus, taking verses 1 through 3 into understanding, this is the Bible's declaration of God's becoming flesh, a human body. Um, And you might hear that people will say, well, Jesus was a man. He was a good teacher or whatever. And maybe even he became a man. No, he was always God. He was always God from eternity past. That's what the Bible teaches us. And now here he is already been there. And become flesh. Miraculously conceived of in the womb of Mary. Conceived of without a human father, but by the Holy Spirit. A miracle. You have to keep adding that in because our minds go, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> How could this be? Well, it's a miracle. God's in the business of miracles. And that's the miracle of Christmas. And it's the miracle of grace. Grace. So the, the verse goes on, verse 14 goes on to say, And the word became flesh and, what? Dwelt among us. And it's great to dive into this one, because it's really, here's another Old Testament kind of a connection, because it's referring to, he tabernacled among us. He tented among us. And it shows, here's here him, he's coming in, in a human body. He He put on a, a tent, if you will. And he was near to God's people. He, he drew near. And that's what happened in the Old Testament. Right? They, they were delivered out of Egypt. And here comes God saying, Now, build a tabernacle. What's that? Uh, a mobile home. <laughs> mobile home for God, right? Just kind of hook it up and, and carry along through the wilderness. No, it, it's a tent. And here's where God is worshipped. God being near His people. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us or God near. He's near. That's what God wanted. To draw near. You know what? I know this would never, ever, 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 ever happen. But if I were God, I don't know if I'd really want to draw near to, you know, stinky people. We laugh at that, but you know what? We really are. And yet God did that. God drew near. There's grace. We didn't deserve it, but he did it. Out of his compassion and love for us, we didn't earn it. We didn't, you know, what, all that. It's not something we we deli- uh, deserved. So he takes on a real body, miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. That's what we call the virgin Birth. And without any human seed from man, no seed from a man. Miraculous. So conceived as a real baby, crying, uh, screaming. If at, at the point, maybe he didn't do that. We doesn't tell us. But he's a baby. He's a real baby, and he grew in wisdom and stature with, and in favor with. God and man. Okay? This is the teaching of His incarnation. So, the arrival of God's grace happened in person. Verse 14. And it happened, letter B, in perfection. It happened in perfection. Notice what the verse goes on to say. The Word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us, and we beheld... Didn't just, not a little glance, but we beheld, we took it in, we we beheld what? His glory. What is another word for glory here? His excellencies. All of His excellencies. The glory as of, now get this, the only begotten from the Father, meaning this. Unique and one of a kind. Does God have many children? Yes, He does. But that's by way of adoption through faith in Jesus Christ. But there's only one only begotten because He is totally unique, one of a kind, no other like Him. And notably full of what? Here's the perfection part that we sometimes overlook. He's full of grace and truth. Not one, not the other, but both. And this is what makes Jesus so amazing. If you'll stop and let that sink in and think that over about that he's full, full of grace and full of truth. Okay? No one ever has struck that kind of balance. No one ever has struck that kind of a balance in their life. Uh, when you came to adulthood, uh, you might have had a little bit of truth and a lot of grace, or uh, vice versa. Doesn't even come close to being full, because we're we lack in that. So no one is perfect. None of us are like Jesus, continually full of grace and truth. Okay? And truth here in the book and the Gospel of John, truth is a lot of times referred to as divine revelation. Here's here's reality. Here's, here's what is real. And so Christ, with Christ, there is always grace and always truth. So if you are truly seeking after Jesus Christ, let me put it this way. If you're saying, I want to know God better, do you have that desire in your heart? you have the desire to really know God better then study Jesus? Read of Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read of what He did. Take it in and welcome it. And hold on to it. treasure of this in your heart. You know, what other answer... I, 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 sh- I don't know if I should say it this way, but I, I want to say, what other answer is there? With all that goes on in life and what we've seen just in our lifetime, not to add in history, what in the world is going on? And so, with Christ, there is always grace and truth. Full of it. Constantly full of it. Number three. Next we see the appraisal of God's grace. The appraisal. Or the assessment, if you like that word better. Here's the assessment of God's grace. Look at verse 15. John, that's John the Baptist, not John the gospel writer, but John the Baptist testified about him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, "He who comes after me has a higher rank than I." For here's the reason: he existed before me. So, letter A is an incomparable ranking. This is just out of the out of the books, if you will, an incomparable ranking that uh, the Bible and thus here's John the Baptist gives. To God, to Jesus, and to here's the grace of God. Basically, John the Baptist was the last and greatest prophet. okay? Not, not, uh, not Joseph Smith, sorry. He's not the last and great. no. The last and greatest prophet being John the Baptist. and Jesus himself said, there's, there's no one who has been born of women that's greater than John. So that's what Jesus said about John the Baptist, and you can't throw in Elijah or Moses if you're of a, you know, of the Judaistic uh, mindset of, in religion. You know, no. It's here's the here's the one. He ranks much higher than anyone else. Acknowledges the true deity of Jesus. That's what John the Baptist has done. He's acknowledging the true deity of Jesus. He who comes after me has a higher rank. Why? Because he existed before me. That's that's simply talking about, here's God. He existed before everybody. And along with that, passages in the Bible support this. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. You can mark that down. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created through him and for him, for he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How can that be a man? (laughs) If we'll just connect these verses uh, in, in these cases of study. Okay, so the appraisal of God's grace goes on. He's got the highest ranking because he's God. Secondly, letter B, it's an inexhaustible resource An inexhaustible resource. Verse 16. Look at it. Look at verse 16. For of His fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. So, for of His fullness. What's that? His fullness is, verse 14, grace and truth. He came full of grace and truth. And of His fullness, we, believers, have all received Not simply observed it or taken it in mentally, but now it's a thing of experiencing it. That's what he brought. That's what he wants us to connect with and to be experiencing. Why? Because through faith we appropriate his grace. That's what you said you've done as as a believer in Jesus Christ. You said, well, in essence, I'm a believer. You're saying I've appropriated the grace of God in my life. And it's through faith that you do that. So it's clearly inexhaustible. Why? When it says grace upon grace that carries with it the notion of, uh, you could even insert a different preposition, or a different word in the middle there of grace after grace. It's not just, um, well, he's full of grace. Now he's adding to it, he's intensifying this, this truth where he's saying grace after grace. One grace portion is replaced with another. Okay, close your eyes and just imagine we're on the surf in uh, northern San Diego County and we've got the sun shining in and what do we hear? We hear the waves coming in. Wave after wave. Will you stop and put grace in that picture? God's grace. Undeserved love. Compassion. Mercy. Wave wave. After wave, after wave. Okay? That's the picture. Just like the ocean, it goes on and on. And here comes another wave. Oh, and here comes another wave. And another. But you know how we look at it? There's my little cup. Isn't that neat? I got my grace right here in the cup. How wonderful. I'm glad I'm saved. Why don't you drink out other... of it? Well, I'm saved already. I, I, I don't... It just is kind of neat to put it on the shelf here. I'm, I'm so glad that I'm saved. What's the picture in the Bible bringing forth? That you would get rid of the little memorabilia cup of water and go get drenched in the ocean of God's grace. So, it's something that has been designed this way for the child of God to have an ongoing supply of grace after grace after grace. And the thing is, this um, this is where this is where we get it confused and in incombobulated. What is that a word? Incombobulated? Where's Simi? Anyway, that's where we get things really messed up. Because we separate things out in our minds, just like I said at the beginning, well, here's, here's the Old Testament, that's law. Here's the New Testament, that's grace. And never the twain shall meet. Um, and we do that in regards to justification and sanctification. We... We say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of, God's done the job, I'm justified by faith, now I have peace with God. And it's like the sanctification part doesn't really start happening. We've got a lot of people that don't understand this process that's supposed to be happening. And then we do catch on, and then we think, oh, I can keep that, I can do that. Because I'm, I'm, I want to show God, you know, I, I I want more of His love, I want more of His grace, I want more, you know, and it, it gets into a issue of of attainment. You say, no, we don't do that. Subtly, we do that. We do those kind of things. We we think we need to add to what God's already accomplished. And you know what? If if that's how we are. Which I would say that, yes, that's the truth. And the, the, the problem is, it becomes, if I'm trying to do more for God to show him how really, actually, I've got some righteousness that God hasn't seen yet, kind of thing. And so I want to prove to him that I... Swenson's got it together. Wow, look at that. You know what that is? Listen. That is an offense to God in His grace. Okay? That is an offense to God in His grace. And I want to really hit that home. I I made the Spirit of God hit that home so that we understand your life is not going to go by works. Your life is founded on grace. And because of that, now the works start coming up as offerings unto God because of how He loves us. So, the grace is really its favor, right? Favor extended out of the goodness of the giver. That's grace. And we've got to connect that with here's, here's God. Out of the goodness of God's heart, here's His favor to unworthy, undeserving people. You know, a lot of us think, oh, I'm not that bad. Um, you know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that the Lord saw the wickedness of man and was, it was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. When we read that verse, we think, oh, yeah, those people. You know, those those guys in that time, they were really bad. And what I do by saying that is subtly remove myself from those people. And that's something that we all do at one point or another. Because why I don't want to see myself as continually evil. No, 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 no. I don't want to think of that way. No, what I want to think of is, again, here's a little portion of righteousness that Swenson has. Yeah, way to go. No. My righteousness is what in God's eyes as my own is as filthy rags. That's what your righteousness and my righteousness. And guess what? All of our righteousness combined. It's really a mess of filthy rags. Okay? And so, here's why God, listen, here's why God has put this plan into action from eternity past. He's put this plan into action. Why? So that God, the Son, Jesus, would receive all the glory forever and ever and ever and ever because it is his doing not yours not mine not Moses not Elijah not Peter not Paul it's Jesus and have you put your faith in Jesus Christ we say it's absolutely and totally free and when we say that his grace is absolutely and totally free we get in we get in, oh whoa 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 we get under Thin ice, and we go. No, no, what? No, no. It's got to be something that I add to it, right? I've got to pay for it. I got to do something for it. I got to show God that I'm, I'm worthy. See, then it's not really favor. Okay, favor is extended. Kindness is extended to one who doesn't deserve it. And one that can never earn it. That's why some of the stories that Jesus gave in the Gospels are so incredible. The rich young ruler, what, what can I do to attain eternal life? Jesus rattles off some of the commandments and says, Well, I've already done that. And we all kind of go, nah, I don't think so. No way. And yet that's what he believed because he was going on his what? His own righteousness. It wasn't about grace. So, it is. It's free, absolutely and totally free, and now that Christ has come, John chapter 1 verse 14 through 16, now that Christ has come, and then he lives a perfect life, and he dies, and thereby satisfying the demands of the Father on what? On sin. And all we need to do is what? Go pay for that? No. We, we welcome it and claim it as our own. And the problem is, a lot of us have said, I welcomed it, I claimed it, but it's not really a treasure in our lives. Why? Is it really a treasure? See, that's what the Scriptures are trying to get to. That's what God wants to get to. That's why He gave us the commandments. Have no other gods before me. Why? He wants us to have Him. And yet we keep going after idols. We keep going after other stuff. And all the while thinking, oh, I'll pay back later. Or I'll do something later. You know, As far as works go. But once a person, listen, once a person is justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. And then God, we would say, God smiles upon His children. Why? Because of Christ. His perfect life, death, and resurrection. And then it's, it's a done deal. It's done, it's completed, it's grace. Having been justified... Now, we, here's this process of sanctification, which is also by His grace. Justification declares you righteous in God's sight. Declares you righteous in God's sight. I have a friend who has shared this with me. Your standing before God is secure because of what Jesus did. Amen? But how many of us allow that thought to slip in about I better get to doing this and this and this so that God will have more favor on me or my standing will be better. No, no, no. That's moving off of grace. goes on. Your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future. Your account is credited with a perfect righteousness only because of your pastor. Thank you. I appreciate you staying with me here. I thought some of you still had your eyes closed because of the ocean scene. (laughs) Um, Anyway, you have met the standard of perfection required by God with respect to the law because of Jesus only. And he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. However, so, so, with all that said, your union is secure with Him. You are set and it's done. It's secure. It's set. But what goes on? Your communion with Him, your fellowship with Him, your walk with Him goes up and down and up and down. It fluctuates, right? That's what's messing us up. And sometimes we don't feel, uh, oh, I don't, you know, don't quite feel close to God. And what, what's that getting at? I, I need to go by feelings? No, the Bible says walk by faith, not by sight. So, the idea is that when I share something from the Word, or your Sunday school teacher shares something from the Word, or your Bible study leader shares something from the Word, the idea is not to try to add to saying, well, you've got to do this and this and this to get better with God. No. The idea is that you would then walk in that life that He's already secured through Christ, His Son. So, there, that's why the business is, there's many exhortations in the Word of God to, to track with. And that's simply to show, here's, here's what the child of God is being called to do, Not to get, you know, in right standing with God. Because why? Faith has already put you in right standing with God. So the more you build on the gospel in your life, the more you'll have freedom and joy. Okay? So, number four. Point number four, the advantage of God's grace. The advantage of God's grace is displayed uh, it displays the perfect transition verse 17 in John chapter 1 he goes on to say for the law was given through Moses grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ it's seen as a complement not a contrast this transition the law was given through Moses that law was given through Moses who who Moses is weak frail Laden with sin. (laughs) He struggles. All that. But he couldn't fulfill the law. He just was the tool that God used to pass the law along. And the law provides types and shadows of what was to, what is to come. Okay? That's the idea with the law. For instance, the blood on the doorposts. Deliver the people from Egypt. The blood on your heart. Deliver you from the bondage of sin. And you're set free to walk with God, to be near God, to know God. All sorts of the, the types and the shadows found in the tabernacle and in the temple, right? All sorts. It's rich with that. But see, the law was never fulfilled. And grace and truth were, what, different word now, not given, but realized. Isn't that beautiful? Grace and truth are realized. In Christ Jesus. He brought about the reality of it. What the law was pointing to, the law kept pointing to God, it's holy. The law kept pointing to you and I are sinners. What does grace and truth now come about with? Jesus Christ brought forth grace and truth in its fullness. Uh, A perfect transition. And it carries on because why? The ocean waves keep coming. I want you to hear that in your mind. You know, some of you have ringing in your ears. Just translate that to waves in your ears. (laughs) Okay? So the perfect transition. Now, letter B, this advantage of God's grace displays the perfect translation. Verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Or He has, there's a a term that pastors use a lot, exegeted. Jesus exegetes God. Jesus explains God. Okay, that's the idea with Jesus. He's the perfect translation. When you want to learn more about God, you go to Jesus. He's God. Jesus is the one. So, as we close our time here this morning, stay with me. I, say, I shouldn't say that, because right away some are, okay, there you go. <laughs> um, but listen, Romans 5, 1 and 2 are critical here. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through Him, we have also obtained access in this faith, in in this grace, by faith. And we stand in that. That's what we stand in. As a believer, you are standing in his grace you're his child through faith in christ you stand in his grace you don't need to go you know oh where is it where is it looking hither and yon it's here it's in the word it's in the spirit of god it's in the life of the believer and the more we will emphasize this the more we can get away from some of the ideas of rule keeping i gotta do this and this Some of you grew up in, um, you know, the the Baptist churches uh, kind of thing of of yesteryear. I did that too. I had some of that in my life where you had to have uh, the right haircut, the right kind of clothes, the right kind of etc., etc., etc. What was that? That was simply what? You you better keep the law. If you don't, you're causing somebody else to stumble. What does Jesus come to do? He, he fulfilled the law on your behalf. So, so what? <laughs> well, now the Romans 5, 1 and 2 goes on to say, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? We would say it's the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That's what we rejoice in. So because of Christ... Because of His excellencies, His perfections, we by God's help, by His grace, are to make much of Christ. That's what we want to do at Christmas time. That's what I encourage you to do throughout life, is that we are people that not just, uh, get all, uh, warm and fuzzy at Christmas time, <laughs> but throughout our life, that we're excited about Christ, that we make much of Christ, make much of His grace. It's how you were saved from the wrath of God, right? You agree with that? You are saved by His grace from the wrath of God. You know what else? It's how the child of God is saved from His own righteousness. I said righteousness. We need to be saved from our own righteousness and lean on Christ we need to be saved from our own performance trap that we get into. And this provides the motivation for living for Him obediently, joyfully. So, merry, mega, massive, monster size Christmas to you. <laughs> Got it? In His grace. In His His grace. Amen. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. And I hope this week goes great for you all. We'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Uh, Bill Christoph will be coming with the message next Sunday. And uh, then we have our Christmas candlelight service Monday night. Invite a friend and pray that God would be glorified. Okay. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.